Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. It's a Thursday here on the Steelers Blitz. That means a few things. Most importantly, that Mr. Big Stuff, our buddy from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Brian Bacco, joins us on the show. Bacco, what's up, cousin? How we doing? Living the dream, Wes. What's up with you, man? Oh, you know, living the dream as well, too. Kind of, uh, you know, trying to to dodge COVID here in the building while I'm uh, waiting for the birth of my first child, my daughter. It's a uh, it's an interesting time in life, Mr. Backo, to say the least. I feel like we're going to be uh, texting back and forth a lot more once you join me here on the other side of, uh, of parenthood. Uh, you know, you're having a little girl, I have a little boy, so some things will be slightly different but uh, i'm here for you buddy let me know if you have any questions well thank you partner i i appreciate that <laughs> and i'm sure I, I i will definitely be taking you up on that i'm sure i'll be picking your brain at times for sure but for the you next you guys have a name or are you going to be winging it no we we have a name do you want to know the name okay uh if, if you guys are telling people sure yeah olivia sweet i like it yeah and then middle name may m-a-e that's a a family name from morgan's side so olivia may well, euler when I was in high school, um, little known fact about me, I was voted uh, most likely to succeed in the senior class. And the oh, uh, big time Shaler girl guy. on the other side, her name was Olivia. So there you go. Well, who's succeeded more, you or her? I'm on the phone with you right now talking about Steelers. <laughs> clearly her. Oh, see, I thought you were going to say clearly you because, you know, you get to chop it up with me here. I got to see what you did there. I see what you did there. All right, Mr. Backo, before I spend the next few weeks picking your brain about fatherhood, I'd like to spend about 10, 15 minutes here picking, picking your brain about the Steelers first, if you will. Uh, buddy, I, I, I want to start with the offensive line. It feels like so much of the conversation this season has been there. Um, I think we saw – Chooks's best performance of the season on Sunday against the Broncos. How much of that his career? Yeah. Yeah. How much of that? Like I'm trying to draw a parallel and I don't know if this is, is fair or not, but I, I think competition always brings out the best in people. Is it, is it safe to say that, you know, with the, with the looming return of Zach Banner, that there's some competition there now that, 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 you know, maybe Chooks was a little motivated to keep his spot. Do you think that played into the performance on Sunday at all? Maybe partly that, partly competition from the other side as well. Sure, sure. He was about to go against Vaughn Miller. I mean, that's that's some big boy stuff right there. And uh, I, I think he was probably on a short leash, honestly. If, if he would have struggled early on and, and often against him, then they, they could have gone right back to Joe Haig and, uh, and see what they had there. So good on Chooks for, for not putting that ball in their court. Um, something clicked for him. All of a sudden, uh, I still don't know if he's uh, you know, the best run blocker in the world. I, I think that's the, the dimension that Zach Banner brings to you in theory and, and a big reason why they, they brought him back. But for right now, I, I don't think you want to make that change just for the sake of, of making one. I think you want to keep rolling with, with what worked last week. I think that that is uh, where I would come down as well, too. Sticking with the offense, obviously the big loss of, of Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, well, let, let's start there, Brian. With you know, we know that Juju is a is certainly a big loss. He's a talented wide receiver. It feels like, uh, particularly on possession downs, him and Ben have real chemistry. There is a real connection there. 
Um, but how big of a loss just is Juju in your mind, right? It, it, he certainly is a big part of this offense. I think at the same time, though, that is a position group where you could argue the Steelers are deepest on this team. Uh, where, do, where do you come down on, on the loss of Juju for the season? Yeah, it's, it's one that I think his production wasn't very high. So in that sense, it doesn't take a lot to to backfill there. And, and even Matt Canada said this morning that, you know, the catches and, and the tough yards and everything like that, I mean, they'll find a way to, to spread that out over the course of the season through different personnel groupings and uh, game plan specific type things. But, you know, the Steelers were, they were using uh, 11 personnel, three wide receivers, uh, I think third most in the league hmm. coming into this week. And uh, I don't know if that's going to be as feasible now. I mean, Hey, maybe, Maybe you can just plug James Washington in there if he's healthy and not miss a beat and, and keep using it almost 80% of the time. Or, or maybe if you spread out that responsibility among the likes of Ray Ray McLeod and, and Cody White. But at that point, you know, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool pretty much have to be every snap guys, I would think. So, uh, so that's all an, an interesting discussion to have. What I think maybe you see more of now is as you mentioned, a lot of the stuff that Juju did and the way he was involved in this offense, even going back to, to last year with Randy Seatner, always plays like a tight end in, in yeah. that slot position. So uh, maybe you see more of those those 12 personnel groupings, the two tight end sets. Feels like we've been saying that for three years when it was you know Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron, <laughs> and now it's Eric Ebron and, and Pat Friary, but maybe even Zach Gentry, a guy who seems to be uh, doing more and more to get himself involved on a weekly basis. So uh, Matt Canada says it's all about create, creating mismatches, building the offense around the talent and the players that you have. In that case, uh, it might be warranted to get the tight ends more involved here now that you're a, a little bit more thin at wide receiver. Brian Backo, our guest here. Uh, buddy, is it is it fair to feel like the offense is, is starting to come together a little bit? And, and we all know progression isn't linear. So just because they had a, a strong performance on Sunday, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to build on that and get better this week. It could always be two steps forward, one step back type thing. But I think we were all a little antsy at the beginning of the season. But does it does it feel like they're starting to maybe carve out what they do well? Everyone likes to use that term identity. You see Najee Harris go over 100 yards, Ben under 30 passes. D- does this kind of feel like the blueprint, the formula for the offense as it starts to come together here? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they've been striving for more balance um, since I started covering the team. I mean, we go back to that 2018 year in which Ben threw for 5K, and yet he was he was probably swinging a little bit too much. And then uh, 2019, you you couldn't you know you couldn't really be two dimensional because let's be honest, opposing defenses were not respecting the right arm of Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges the way they would have uh, a future Canton guy. So I, I think they they've been. They've been trying to find that right equilibrium between the run and the pass. At, at this point in Ben's career, I think you ideally want to lean a little bit more toward the run. And even any quarterback, I mean, if, if you can be more efficient rather than relying on volume, um, you know, that's a good thing. So uh, you, you want to take the pressure off of anybody who's back there, but especially a 39-year-old Ben who was, was probably throwing it more than, than anybody would have liked uh, week two, week two through four. So. Uh, yeah, that, this is what you want to see. You want to see the different shifts and in, in motions. I don't know if the Steelers used more of it. I don't have those numbers at my fingertips, but I, it seemed more effective when they did use it. Yeah. Put it that way. I mean, that's what your eye test can tell you, just anecdotally. Um, and Juju was big uh, with with that too. He was usually the guy who would 
motion across the formation, let you know what the defense is doing, maybe uh, play with the linebacker's eyes a little bit and the defenders. So, uh, you know, I think Ray McLeod can handle that, but uh, Matt Cannon's got to keep doing with, with what worked. He's got to stick with it. And I think it's, yeah, like you said, a little bit early to say this is this team's identity and that they can do this week in and week out because defenses are going to scheme to take that away and they'll have to count on us. So uh, we'll, we'll see if they can do that probably starting – this week against the Seahawks staff that has had, you know, will have had 10 days to prepare for this one. And speaking of the Seahawks, that transitions nicely. Uh, the Steelers, obviously, uh, they get a little bit of a break. They dodge a bullet. They avoid Russell Wilson. But the other side of that equation, Brian, is now against Geno Smith, a quarterback who has real lack of film, hasn't started a game in four years, only a few drives on Thursday to go off of. While it's Again, while it's fortunate that you that you get to miss Russell Wilson, I assume, right, it is an additional challenge, maybe a different challenge to prepare for a guy like Geno Smith where there is just a, a lack of film available to be studied. Yeah, defensive coordinator Keith Butler talked about that a lot this morning, and I thought it was interesting, a point he made, that when, when you don't have your starter, uh, let alone a Russell Wilson-type guy, your backup's probably going to play more by the book, I would think, meaning you know you, you go through your progressions. Hmm. Uh, you don't you, you don't take as many chances, maybe uh, forcing the ball into tight windows or, or going off script in terms of freelancing in the pocket and trying to keep it and extend plays. Um, but but that's the type of thing that works for Russell Wilson. And you know, with Geno Smith, as as much as he's probably not adept at doing. All of that, um, and as much as I don't want to compliment a, a West Virginia Mountaineer, <laughs> uh, he is a professional quarterback, and, and he'll have had a week and a half to kind of get his mind right, watch the tape on the Steelers, figure out what's working against them uh, as a defense. And I, I think Pete Carroll and company, and you know, first-year offensive coordinator Shane Waldron, you know, he wasn't here uh, when the Seahawks were, were able to, to just break the Steelers back one after another on third down a couple seasons ago. Uh, I think they're going to put together a good plan for Geno Smith and, and figure out what works for him, not to mention uh, a couple of his eligibles, as Mike Tomlin calls them, are, are pretty darn explosive yes. when you look at D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Yeah, absolutely. Just look at him, D.K. Metcalf. My goodness, he <laughs> looks like a transformer out there on the football field. A couple more questions here for our buddy Brian Bacco of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You know, Brian, we all, and I think rightfully so, um, everyone was looking at the Broncos game as, I don't know, like, right, not the maybe the must win, but the can't lose. Um, you can't start 0-3 at home. You can't lose four games in a row, right? But it, it really feels to me like this game against Seattle is the proverbial swing game. You know, you win this game, you're 3-3, three and three, you get the bye week, then you got a, a big division game on Halloween against Cleveland. If you lose this game, though, yeah, 2-4, and four, you're not out of it, but there is certainly a huge difference between 3-3 three and three and 2-4. and four. Do, do you agree? Does this feel like the real swing game early on in the season for the Steelers? Um, maybe, but, I mean, you, you can also make hay at the back end of this schedule, too, as your young offensive line comes together, as you maybe figure out how your offense needs to operate without Juju as you get rookies like Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth more involved. So uh, I'm not going to go that far. You certainly can't, like you said, you certainly don't want to be two and four uh, in the NFL. One game can, can make your record look, uh, look a whole lot different. It, there's a, there's a major, major difference between mm-hmm. two and four and three and three, just when you look at it on paper. But uh, I, I think, you know, this is going into the bye week. They're, they're going to have a chance to, to come out of there and, you know, self-review, look at what's worked and, and what hasn't in the first six weeks. And, you know, you've got,
got your your five division games left, uh, including two each against the the two teams that are, are most likely going to be the class of the AFC North. So um, I think swing game and all that sounds good when you preview it, but I, I'm not going to say the sky is falling if, if they lose this one. Well, we will get to your prediction in just a minute. Before we get there, one last one for you, Mr. Batko. Uh, one thing that I've been encouraged by, um, or one thing I was encouraged by last week, I should say, maybe other than, than the offense feeling like it was starting to come together, it also feels like uh, Joe Schobert and Devin Bush are starting to mesh. Is that fair? Are those inside off-ball linebackers, are they starting to mesh? Are things starting to slow down for them? Are they getting more comfortable in the, in the center of the park there for the Steelers' defense? Yeah, I think so. You didn't notice them as, as much getting beat. I mean, it was that Raiders game that was one that uh, I think Joe Schobert would, would really like to forget, but that was his second game uh, with this team and, and in this organization, not counting the preseason, of course. Mm-hmm. And Devin Bush, we know that he's been uh, you know kind of uh, slow to, to kind of get back to the player that they thought they were getting when they drafted, drafted him in the top ten out of Michigan. So I, I don't think those two were necessarily uh, – a strength or a weakness at, at this point. I'm in kind of wait-and-see mode, but, yeah, it seems like uh, it'd be logical to expect them to get better at playing together. Well, it was interesting to me that Rob Spillane, uh, all of a sudden, you know, they, they dusted him off and put him in on some of those third-down packages with the three outside linebackers. Uh, I'm not sure if that's just to, to give him a role or if they think there's there's something in that situation that he is particularly good at maybe they think he is a better blitzer than, than both of those two guys i don't know but uh he, he was heard from again so it's uh it's something to continue to monitor with that group and I, I thought by and large the defense i mean yeah they put a scare into you late but i mean you hold a team under 20 points in the nfl in 2021 that's uh most of the time that that should be enough to get the job done I think that's well said by our buddy brian backo of the pittsburgh post gazette all right mr backo you know the drill before we let you go we got back in the saddle last week, all of us. Good vibes. We keep it rolling this week. What's your prediction, good sir? Yeah, I guess it was a little surprising that all three of us not only picked uh, the Steelers to win, but all three of us were right. So maybe we do know something in this one. Last I checked, I guess it was, what, Steelers minus five, five and a half? Correct. Yeah, I saw it move to five and a half last night. But if, if you want to say five, that's fine with me if we want to stick with that. Well, how about this, Wes? The listeners aren't going to like it, but I'm going to say Seahawks cover and Seahawks win straight up. I'm putting the Steelers on upset alert in this one. I just kind of have a feeling. Uh, like I said, I think they've got a long week to prepare for this. Everybody's going to be kind of counting out Geno Smith. Their defense can't play any worse than it has <laughs> been lately. And sort of the same logic we took into Steelers-Broncos. Seahawks have actually played a pretty good schedule, and, and they've been in these games that they've lost. I know that was with Russell Wilson at quarterback, but I'm going to go Seattle 24, Steelers 20 on Sunday Night Football at Heinz Field. Say it ain't so, Mr. Backo. He's on hey, the board. You imagine if Moats were here. I mean, he would just be dogging me. He'd be he'd be cussing me out right now. You'd have to dump it all. That's true. I'd be I'd be hitting the dump button over here. But you know what, Mr. Backo? I have no quarrel with you. You are an honest man, and you pick the Seahawks to win. You know, I, I'll let the I'll let the listeners uh, have their angry tweets at you at Brian Backo. How about that? Twenty four to twenty, says Mister Backo. The Seattle Seahawks, the victors Sunday at Heinz Field. Buddy, great stuff as always. I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll talk soon about Steelers and fatherhood. Thank you. 
And, and now I'm going to throw my phone and my laptop on the train track here right behind uh, Steelers headquarters so that I won't see all the mean tweets. Well, we know you, you don't what? We know you do not do cap, so that's going to be true. There he goes, Brian Bacco, our buddy from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Yeah, you tweet him and tell him that he's going to be wrong about this weekend. Bacco, the babyface assassin there, setting it all up to pick the Steelers. And then he goes with the stinking Seahawks. I tell you what, you think you know a guy. Brian Bacco, 24 to 20. Seattle is his prediction. Of course, I'll give my prediction tomorrow. We'll take all of yours. We'll have all the typical Friday bells and whistles here on the show. I'll also get Motsi's prediction as well so we can make sure to share that one for you. Uh, Absolutely. But Brian Bacco, 24 to 20, he thinks... The Seahawks and Geno Smith get it done at Heinz Field on Sunday. Say it ain't so. Mr. Backo. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, if you want to get involved with the show, I'll get to some of your questions here in just a few minutes. Uh, Some of your tweets, your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions here around the corner. But first, let's do a little Three Things Thursday, shall we? Uh, Simple concept. We've been doing this all season. It's we, you know, kind of start to scout the opposition uh, three things we think they do well, three things they struggle with. Simple concept, three things Thursday. You can tweet me yours if you want to. Three likes, three dislikes. Got a couple of them already. We will read those as we go along, certainly. Uh, but here's what I got for the Seattle Seahawks. Let's start with the good. Uh, number one, running the football. Uh, this is nothing new. This has been a trend for Seattle. I mean, ever since Marshawn Lynch, ever since Pete Carroll got there, they have been devoted to running the football. They stay committed to running the football, and they have success running the football. Even in weeks where the pure numbers aren't there, just the pure rush yards aren't there, they still can effectively run the ball situationally. Like a couple weeks ago, Chris Carson only had 40 yards rushing, but he scored two touchdowns on the ground in the red zone. So not eye-popping numbers, but situationally able to run the ball effectively when they need to. They've, they've been doing that for a long time. Again, all the time, you know, for a decade under Pete Carroll, that's been a big part of their bread and butter. Uh, from Marshawn Lynch through now, they can always run the football. They're always committed to running the football. And like I said, situationally, that's the big kicker for me. Situationally, they do a good job. In the red zone, on third and short, on possession downs, um, it's a big part of their identity, and it's something that they do well the commitment to running the football, like I said, particularly in the moments that they need to, that is uh, the first thing that I think the Seattle Seahawks do well. The second thing is stretch the field. You know, you heard Brian Bacco talk about this a little bit. They've got some talented eligibles. They, you know, DK Metcalf leads the way, but they have a lot of dudes who can make plays. DK Metcalf is a freak. Um He just, I mean, he looks like a superhuman out there on the field. But they have the ability to stretch the field. Now, that's going to be tested, obviously, in the absence of Russell Wilson. Big part of them, you know, stretching the field is Russell Wilson's ability to hang in the pocket, to make plays, to extend plays, and therefore extend drives. But Geno Smith has some of that capability, too. He's obviously not Russell Wilson. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. But he's also mobile. He hit some downfield shots on Thursday night football as well. This is an offense. They run the ball. They run the ball. They run the ball. They run the ball. They run the ball some more. 
and then all of a sudden they hit you for a big pass down the field. They can stretch the field on offense, and that's something that the Steelers have struggled a little bit with at times this year. They've given up some big pass plays to the Broncos, to the Raiders. they got to make sure to keep a lid on that against Seattle on Sunday. That's the second thing that I think the Seahawks do well is stretch the field. And the third and final thing I got for you that Seattle does well is, uh, is their defensive line is just good. I know their defense, ever since week one, their defense has struggled, but that I pin those struggles more on their secondary than I do their front. Their defensive front is stout, particularly that defensive line. Al Woods, Carlos Dunlap, they are able to get after the quarterback. They're pretty good against the run. Like I said, this, this team leaves a lot, a whole bunch to be desired in the secondary. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I think the defensive line of Seattle is solid. The Steelers' offense has to win those upfront battles, let Najee get to the second level, and then you'll be able to have a lot of success there. But the defensive line for the Seattle Seahawks can play. They're having a good start to the season. A lot of their struggles on defense are because of the secondary, but I like the defensive line. So the three things that I think Seattle does well, the three things that Seattle has going for them, right? They can run the ball effectively, particularly, again, situationally on possession downs and in the red zone. Second thing is their offense can stretch the field. They'll run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball some more, catch you sleeping, hit you for a big play for 40 yards, 50 yards, 60 yards. They're good at that, good at stretching the field, and I think they have a good defensive line as well, too. Those are the three things that I like about this Seattle Seahawks team um, from a, you know, just from a pure scouting perspective. Now, on to the bad. They also give up too many chunk plays. You know, I, I talk about how they can stretch the field, and, and they can. They do. But they give it up in spades as well. Part of this is because the secondary, again, we'll talk more about the secondary here in a second. But they, they are a defense that has just, they've been gassed at times this year. And honestly, this is a problem it feels like for Seattle that, that dates back more than just this season. That's a big part of the reason why they went out and traded for Jamal Adams. It's a big part of the reason why they went out, went out and traded for Carlos Dunlap. You know, they wanted Adams on the back end to, to sure up some of those big plays. They wanted Dunlap in the trenches to go get after quarterbacks to eliminate, you know, the time to stand in the pocket and, and make plays downfield. But this is a defense that surrenders yards. The Steelers have to take advantage. The Steelers have to hit some big chunk plays of their own. That's number one on the things that I don't think Seattle does very well. Number two, let's talk about the offensive line. It's not great. It's been a struggle in Seattle ever since they won the Super Bowl. I mean, they've, they've been looking for offensive line help for five years now, six years now. You remember all offseason, Russell Wilson talking about how he was unhappy with the um, lack of investment on the offensive line for the Seattle Seahawks. He gets banged up because of it. Now, his injury was not a, a direct result of that, but, you know, last year he was a guy who was, was hit way too much, and that kind of continued to start this season. Their offensive line struggles. They've got some individuals on the line who, are, who can play. Obviously they do. But, but they just, like I said, for five, six years now, they have been looking – for help on that offensive line. They have been searching for answers on that offensive line, and they haven't found any. The Steelers got to take advantage because I do not think they have a very solid offensive line. That's the second thing that I think Seattle 
struggles with is offensive line play. And then finally, I've hit it at it a few times, but the third thing, the third bad thing, the third area that I think Seattle really struggles is in the secondary. Even with Jamal Adams back there, he got turned around a couple times against the Rams last week. It is just, it's not the Legion of Boom anymore, man. With Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and uh, Richard Sherman, those Byron Maxwell, right? Those, those guys just aren't there. They just don't have the studs like that anymore. And even Jamal Adams has been hot and cold. He has moments where he's really good, but he also has times that he really struggles. I, the Steelers need to be careful because when you look at this Seattle team and you look at the secondary and you look at the way that they give up chunk plays, I, I, I don't want there to be a, a return to throwing the ball way too much, right? You might look at the game plan and you might say, all right, we can get at these guys through the air. You know, and then all of a sudden, Ben Roethlisberger's throwing the ball 48 times again. I don't think that's the way. But I do think that they'll be able to hit the big plays. If you can establish the run, if the offense is able to come out, score some points early like they've done the last two weeks, establish that run like they've done the last two weeks, then all of a sudden, that sets up to hit the big plays, to hit the chunk plays, to pick on that secondary at times. But that's the order it has to happen, I believe. It can't be let's come out and let's let's slice these guys up through the air because if that doesn't work, then all of a sudden you got nothing to fall back on. You can get at these guys, you can get at their secondary, you can hit some big chunk plays, but I think you got to walk before you can run in that regard. Stick to what similar worked for you the last two weeks. Have a good scripted good scripted drive to start the game. Put some points up on the board. Run the football effectively. And that is going to open up so much for the Steelers' offense and for Ben Roethlisberger as the game rolls along. That, to me, is the blueprint. That's the formula. That's the way you have success against this team and particularly against this defense. So, again, three things Thursday. The good that Seattle does, they run the ball. They're always committed to it situationally, especially in the red zone on possession downs. They are able to extend drives and score points on the ground when they need to. Second thing is stretch the field. They run the ball, they run the ball, they run the ball, and then they catch you sleeping and they hit you deep with DK Metcalf. They are capable of stretching the field. you got to be careful. You can't be going to sleep. The third thing that they, that they have going for them, I think they have a very stout defensive line. you got to hold those guys on blocks. you got to get to the second level. The bad, they give up too many chunk plays themselves. As many as they hit on offense, they also give up on defense. Uh, their offensive line struggles, and it has for years now. That's a big part of the reason why Russell Wilson has been unhappy there. And third, the secondary. They're just Swiss cheese at times on the back end. And I think if the Steelers can especially establish the run, not let them pack the box, uh, or maybe, sorry, make them pack the box, then all of a sudden you can have some success definitely in the air against the secondary. Those are my three things Thursdays for the Seattle Seahawks. Steel City Champs tweets and says, here's mine for the Seattle Seahawks. I like their running game their speed on defense, and the division that they play in, it's so strong. Those, you know what? Speed on defense is a good one, Steel City Champs. They are a fast defense. That's a good one. That's good That's good advanced scouting of the Seahawks from our brethren in Seattle, our Stiller Nation brethren, Steel City Champs, living out there in Washington. Uh, he says, don't like their very athletic wide receiver, DK Metcalf. The rain season here, it sucks. And how Seattle fans hold on to the past when they see, see my Steeler gear. Well, at least I like the hate. Yeah, Super Bowl 40, you jabronis. Good stuff there 
from Steel City Champs. Yeah, they are fast on defense. They've got a fast defense. And that's, again, too, I think you gotta, you've got to establish the run, make them play close to the line of scrimmage, and at least handcuff them in that way. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, if you want to get involved, that is where you find me. When we come back here for our final segment, I will get to your tweets. So uh, last chance to get them in, you knuckleheads. At Wesley Euler, we'll get to some of your Twitter reaction on the other side. You're listening to the Steelers Blitz on SNR.